0: Welcome to the Culture of Kindness podcast. Have you wondered about the direction the world is going? Wondered if you and the rest of the world are connecting in a healthy way?
1: I can see it in others. And now I've changed the lens through which I see the world. And to be kind is the only possible result.
0: Because you you don't have the language of talking. It's kind of almost a language of kindness. In this podcast, we discuss everything from what makes a brilliant leader to where is the world going on our current trajectory and how can we make a culture of kindness and do we actually need to or are we doing all right just as we are it's roughly 2000 years since some bloke got nailed to a tree for suggesting that we should all be a little bit nicer to each other and i fear that over the last 2000 years we haven't moved on very far from that inherently humans are very badly flawed and there there is i nahala summers became obsessed about the power of kindness after it was the kindness of a stranger that changed my life so now i am lucky enough to talk to the most eclectic mix of people probably on any podcast come inside and subscribe it will open your mind and world up to the best examples of living life wholeheartedly. You look on the Facebook, even when you look on the comments on BBC, everyone goes, oh, "I hate bullies." But then that's like saying, "I hate water." You know, bullies have come from somewhere,
1: and I can water. A tap back. on my shoulder from somewhere that said, "You cannot just do an act of kindness in a day and that be good enough." Hello, hi Sam, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Good. Yes. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. You are so welcome. And I guess I'm going to start off by asking you to just give a description of what do you do? What does your work involve? Because that's super interesting and what your passions are. And I guess what makes you happy?
1: Okay, just a little then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am a happiness and empowerment coach mm-hmm. and I work with um, individuals so I coach one-to-one Um. I do workshops for colleges and corporate and um. Actually, anybody who would like <laughs> a workshop on happiness, mm. and I also have created a six week course on the habits of happiness. Um, so, my whole um, work if, um, has evolved from my own learning and my own healing from coming from a place of disease I call it um, and I have developed these through research as well um, as my own um, journey of happiness so it takes on kind of the my own journey of being able to have happiness um, with the tools that I use, but it's backed up by research from positive psychology, neuroscience. You talk, um, yeah. You talk then
0: about disease, and yeah. just elaborate a little bit on that because it's not—it's slightly different, isn't it, than disease? Yeah. But it, it, there is a similarity.
1: Yeah. So um, for me, disease means for me, I was completely mentally physically and emotionally um, overwhelmed and uh, my body um, had really given me the major signs and um, i woke up one morning and i was completely paralyzed in one side and um, after i'd had a successful makeup artistry business so um, waking up like that and not being able to move um, i was kind of taken aback Mm-hmm. But over the last four years, I, I didn't, that was 10 years ago, but over the last four years, um, I had discovered the mind-body connection and how actually our mind is in our body and our emotions and um, really are the whole essence to our happiness and our health and our um, well-being. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where... I have evolved everything that I teach and everything that I do is things that I have implemented in my life to get where I am now and um, along the road of not expecting everybody to do this but um, I became um, completely um, immersed in my learning and my healing so learning all about the the mind and the therapies that that could help so learning hypnotherapy, learning NLP, mindfulness. Mm. I mean, my list goes on, but through all my learnings, I realised that actually 90% of what I did was habitual. Mm. It was things that I did on a daily basis of my thoughts and how I thought about uh, my body, my mind, my outside world. And when I realised that actually... When you can take control of that or understand that you have more control over that than I was ever told about emotional intelligence, about your breath, about the connection between what actually happens to your body, um, that is when my physiology started to um, get better. Uh, my emotional state, I was able to regulate that a lot better. And my mental state um, was so much more clarity that I had um i could say in the 40 years previous to that
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's fascinating isn't it when we get these kind of insights um do you think as a world or certainly i mean we can talk for the uk do you think it's something that
1: is really missing within our communities I think it's, it's classed as woo-woo or um, soft or something like that. But mm. research has shown that happiness is a key to um, more than just this, we want to be happy. It's sustainable in business. It's, it's what actually creates better working progress for us. It helps us to, to be better employees. It helps us to work better socially, interact with people less um, <coughs> recorded. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> less recorded sickness. More people are um, going to be staying into work, so less turnover. So, in the bottom line, happiness is a key to a more productive business. You know, mm-hmm. and also in my personal it's not only affected me, it's affected my family and then now it's working the way that I work my business, it's working my community because that's how, it's like it's contagious. It is contagious (laughs) as you know about kindness um, and happiness is a process of all different emotions and positive emotions that we can cultivate and we can learn to cultivate on our own um, which helps us and the people around us
0: yeah that's right, absolutely you've very much studied and focused happiness as a whole um and there's always this elusive the pursuit of happiness you know everyone's kind of looking for it, searching for it. when people must ask you well what is happiness what's
1: how do you answer that because it's so big so for me and um, when i'm doing teachings happiness is unique to you it is when you feel that and that you are at your most at ease it's not about particularly not having uh, any like upsets in your life or anything like that and it's not about hedonism so it's not about being high all the time it's about really building resilience on being able to maintain your emotional intelligence, really that's what goes down to the core of being able to, um, when things and adversities hit you, you can bounce back up. Mm -hmm. It's not the fact that they will never come, but when you're happy within yourself and you don't look outside yourself for this, you become more resilient, you become more self-esteemed and what you're able to do and be able to think properly do you know mm-hmm.
0: yeah absolutely do you think that there has been a change in the generations when you it's difficult and you you probably know the facts and figures behind it I suspect but um you know from a feeling of where we were and now where we are, with our for our children, do you think happiness is a is a bigger struggle for them?
1: It, the, what I would say is that um, as a feeling, and the thing is, the statistics are very great, but they they only show a certain percent of people, and with any research. But <clears throat> what I've realized in the communities that I have been in is that they have a lot more pressure on them and um, children and uh, to do with the amount of um, stimulation that they have and so that adds pressure to whether they're happy or not because it, they're constantly looking outside themselves and mm. um, for to gain happiness mm. so I'm always about solutions because I don't think that this generation um that we're bringing up next is ever going to be putting down um the technology so it's about for me being able to teach them i think and you're quite passionate about this but Mm. teaching them the tools on how when they come off it what they can do and how they can sustain and how they can use other things to maintain that Mm-hmm. Um, I know in Scotland, they're doing a huge thing about resilience. Mostly in primary, they are taking it into high schools at the moment, but mostly um, they're doing a, mil- a brilliant thing in their primary schools on building resilience and teaching um, children about how to manage their emotions and that emotions are okay. Because mm-hmm. I think it's something that I was never taught mm-hmm. when I was at school. Yeah. Yes. And there lies the difference
0: isn 't it you know we we're starting to have that conversation about emotions yeah, definitely and it being okay, if you were to give like to, you know a couple of top tips to people because obviously really you would work with people on a quite a structured program or on an individual basis um developing people 's own personal programs of happiness. But if you were to give a kind of a generalised couple of top tips that they could take away from today's podcast, what would that be in helping somebody to find some happiness? Apart from hiring you, of course. Um, Yeah,
1: obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what I have found and what I have developed um, is that I have created a morning routine for myself because that gave me structure. It also helped me to retrain my brain. And the things that have surrounded this morning routine um, and actually the some of the key researches in happiness from positive psychology um, and even just incorporating a couple of these into your life can actually increase um, your cultivation of positive emotions because what I've found when I've been doing working with the people like my clients and then the, the hundreds of that she talks to and getting certain um, mm. feedback from mm. is the fact that um, we do not cultivate positive emotions. So we tend to go with what the negative is. And obviously, the brain is designed to keep us safe. So it's looking for to solve problems all the time. Mm. So by just creating a small morning routine um, of consistency. This will help to retrain the brain and it's, it's only seven minutes or mm. even if it's just one of the seven that I do, mm. it will help to retrain and rewire the brain. Mm. Um, so the seven steps that I do is, is setting an intention for the day because setting an intention is a letting you decide how you want to be and everything that I do is all kind of derived from emotions. So rather than um, the normal setting up an intention, it is more about how do you want to feel today? How do you want to be today? Mm. Do you know, So you're driving it. Because if you just get up from the day from yesterday, your emotions and your memories will be what drives you for the following day. Mm. Unless you make a decision to make a change, it'll be exactly the same as what you did yesterday because it's so subconscious. Mm. So getting up and just changing a few things in your routine, uh will help you to rewire the brain into cultivating more positive emotions. And positive psychology has shown, and neuroscience has shown, that consistency in small, consistent changes is the things that help to rewire our brain. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's one. And then the, the, other, the other six that I kind of do is um, I affirm what I want to be that day so I say my affirmations and they can be as simple as um, I'm working harder and harder to be the best version of myself it's whatever comes true to you that's one thing that I always say is everyone is unique and this is why happiness is unique and it's the questions and it's awareness that I dive into so that people can get that because unless you get asked these questions you do not know what makes you happy because it's not something that is put in front of you every single day Mm. Um, and sometimes it can be external and so we kind of look to outside yourself it can be our children it could be anything materialistic what I do is dive a little bit deeper Mm. and find what is that actually their core is. is that what is it that they remember about them that their happiness is Because when you can do that a little bit every day, and it could be the fact that they forgot that they actually like going for walks or a bath or something as simple as as Mm. that. Mm. And and the other five that I do is gratitude. Gratitude, I would say, is one thing that kind of saved my life because being in a dark place, um, you don't always find gratitude in things and it's quite hard. I've done this with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clients and for the first time they find it really hard to name five things from the heart that their gratitude that they're grateful for especially Mm -hmm. when they're in that dark place but i have just finished week six of my happiness course here and so they've been doing their gratitude journal for a week and they have seen a massive difference in their compassion towards each other also the fact that they have more empathy <clears throat> for people they have more patience um it was amazing it honestly it fills my heart with joy just listen to yeah. them for a week yeah. um so they're just a couple there is seven and uh, that you can get them free on my website as well because yeah. it's a downloadable um PDF that you
0: can get yeah I mean just to touch on thank you for sharing that and I'm and I'm sure people will go and have a look because you know what you're talking about there is simple easy steps that somebody can take every morning and make major changes yeah um but you talk about gratitude there and you know and what from gratitude is starts this kind of snowball effect of compassion and empathy and not far behind that comes kindness which is the action I guess um and gratitude and kindness come in you know it's, it's all in a wonderful circle um really where do you think we are with kindness in the world as a whole do you think and this is kind of an opinion more than anything in how you see the world Um, and obviously you see it very positively but trying not to uh, see it from just your world but from an overall global world where do you see that kindness fits into that?
1: I think it's essential I think that if we do not start having kindness towards others and towards ourselves as well um, and towards the planet then i don't think we will have a planet i know it sounds really no. dramatic but i really do not think if we do not start having kindness and compassion in the world mm-hmm. um, we will not be able to sustain the world mm-hmm. that we've had because it's growing so fast and mm-hmm. um, technology wise and it's so small now and mm-hmm. um, compared to even 50 years ago That if we do not start to work together and have kindness and compassion in the forefront of our mind, we will no longer be here. Mm -hmm. I think nature will still be here, but I don't think Mm -hmm. we will if we stay in a selfish kind of bubble of fear. And I do Mm -hmm. think it's driven by fear rather than anything else. Fear of separate, like being different, fear of mm, all different things. And I think if we don't have like the driving force of compassion and kindness behind everything, then, yeah, I I think we will end up going down. Yeah, that's right.
0: I mean, there's an interesting thing that you talk about there. I would say, you know, what what stops us from being kind? And you you very nicely brought up there about that fear. You know, this is constant fear that we encounter have you found that within your studies as well within your search for happiness
1: i definitely is it is one of the major things in personal people you know just in the individual the fear that's around is normally that's the thing that stops them from um surpassing their their goals etc um but in a wider sense it is definitely fear that separates us Mm -hmm. from the differences the fear that people are different the fear that somebody's going to take things from us the fear of um even what is on the news and the difference in the world it's the fear around change um, Mm -hmm. that i have definitely found and I suppose the one thing that I get round it by saying is the most important thing at the moment is what you can control, um, and that is your own emotions and what you can do to cultivate them, mm. and to be around that because I've been, and it's it's quite strange because I one of the ladies who is in the group to date was consumed by fear, fear of pollution, fear of um, the industry on um, <clears throat> pharmaceuticals, fear of <laughs> roads. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. she's very passionate and it's not about not being passionate. But w- what I have realised in myself, but also through the studies that I've seen and what I've researched is the fact that the more Fear that we feed into our bodies the more the disease that we have and the more it circles round that we we have less compassion we have mm. less kindness and we stay in this fear bubble that we are separate from other people and we're not mm. um separate we yeah. we are all we are all the same we are on this planet and th- this planet is the thing that if we don't sustain kindness and compassion and um gratitude then there will no be there will be no planet yeah, to
0: that's sustain. right that's
1: right quite is there ways
0: you know you talk about somebody there who is is has a lot of fear about so many things and and you know i, I often talk about that Uh, our fears are led by what we see and what we feed our brains and and everything that's stimulating it all the time social media news media you know the whole shebang do you do you make suggestions to people on how they can remove those fears because you're not the first person to say this just this week about fear to me Um, but do you have suggestions about how you get people to remove their own fears
1: so and I always tell them that to start off with the ones that they can control. Mm. So that is the television, do you know. Mm. So because there's other, there is some fears that you can't, and there's some things outside yourself that you cannot change. But watching the news, uh, when you know that it triggers a feeling of anxiousness mm. or stress within you, watching three times a day or four times a day, I would say to them not to to switch that off. It's a simple thing like that. But also to really, mindfulness is one of the most powerful things that I've ever done because it really does put you into this moment of giving you your power back Mm. because we can get so consumed about what we cannot do in this world and we want to save it um, and we project our fears on what's going to happen to the planet. And this was my my lovely lady today. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what I say to her is, what can you do now? Because your energy and how you are just now is actually really powerful on mm-hmm. how you are. I'm mm-hmm. all for a hundred percent activism, mm-hmm. but unless you're physically activist <laughs> doing it at that moment, mm-hmm. all you're doing. Is putting your body into stress and putting your 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 whole physiology, your mind, your energy, everything that you're sending out into the world, is fear. Yeah. And so you're actually feeding the fear more by doing that. Yeah. And um, so I try and get them to be more in breathing techniques. I to, I I give them lots and lots of tools to be able for them to feel more in control. Because what I have found is that. It's when you feel that you cannot control the situation that your fear and anxiety rises. Mm. And that is natural. That Mm. is completely natural. So the more that you can give somebody tools to be able to bring them back down, to be able to to relax them, then I've found that the more that they can think um, rationally, more cognitively, Mm. rather than from a place of fear which is in the fight or flight
0: and um, so yeah. there's a you talk then about mindfulness as well and you know you have to have been living in mars to not know what mindfulness <laughs> is i guess at this stage um in society but can you just give an overview of you know first of all mindfulness and and that yeah I mean give us an overview of mindfulness and what you do um to cultivate that
1: so mindfulness is is a word that um has been used because um to kind of explain um a new I suppose it's a therapy that, that they've used since 1970 um but it's about a being, a, for me anyway, um, it's about being in a, 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 an awareness state. Mm. Um, the whole essence of mindfulness is um, awareness without judgment, to be in what they say in the moment and just being aware of the now without judgment, which is seems really easy. <laughs> <laughs> but... Because we live in a world where, and I was one of them, mm-hmm. um, where we were, well, and I was, always in the future, you know, yeah. like thinking about what the next thing is to do yeah. or, or regretting what I did in the past. Mm-hmm. We don't actually, a lot of the time, get to enjoy the moment to actually savor what we're doing at this present moment and what mindfulness teaches you is how to accept that not only through meditation but also through different exercises um, that they do to be able to slow down the brain and it kind of gives you the space i would say Mm -hmm. um to be less reactive yeah um I would say that that's probably the essence. I mean, I could talk a full hour just on mindfulness to be honest yes. <laughs> because it has so much. Um, it's got so much power because it is the true essence of if you can be mindful and yeah. think about how you enjoy your food and mm-hmm. be present, then... And the more that you can do that, the more that you're in now, so the less that you actually fear the future because you're you're not... In the future. It's mm-hmm. not that you don't um, set goals. It's not that you don't um, you stop living or anything like that. But you become more aware of when your brain and when your body has um, rushed off. Yes. So it allows you to be present and grounded. It allows you to feel the sensations of your body. It allows you to become more now. Because a lot of the time we spend in our heads and we don't, this is how, this is what I used to be and this is what I think why my body decided to tell me in a, a very drastic way but I lived mostly in my mind and didn't listen to my body, the pains, the subtleties of what was happening to it mm-hmm. um, and I didn't listen to the, the internal thoughts um, of what I should do or anything like that, mindfulness Mm -hmm. really does help with acceptance of what you cannot change. It allows you to just sit with your thoughts, which, as I said, really sounds really simple. Yeah. (laughs) But it is very, very, very hard to not want to change something, not want to shift it, you know, if you're sitting, not want to alter it either. I realised that I did not like negative emotions so i would suppress them Mm. and or i would want to shift them or i'd want to change them Mm. um and what mindfulness has really allowed me to do is allow me to accept them without judgment and know that they're there yes does that make sense yes Uh, absolutely
0: i think you know we have this very interesting culture at the moment where we don 't want to deal with emotions, and therefore we go to the doctors and we get some tablets and yeah. and that by all means that does not mean that everyone who has to take tablets because of mental health issues that's it's not applicable for everybody by any means, but it is you know it's it's what i 've seen through people i 've worked with myself who have you know, who say I couldn't cope with this particular situation. So I went to the doctors and, you know, you bring up a really valuable point about it's okay to have emotions and, and you give them tools on how to do that through mindfulness and other techniques. <laughs> I, and I talk, I bring up mindfulness because it's not just, you know, meditation and having to sit down. It it can be as simple as learning to enjoy your food yeah. And really easy things like that, but just putting it into a way of life for yourself, I guess. It is.
1: It's <clears throat> Mindfulness is all around us at any opportunity. Mm. It really is. It's a, it's taking that breath before you go and answer that phone. It's having a cup of tea and looking outside and taking it, looking up instead of just uh, when you're going for a walk. Um Looking around you to see what is around you, the trees, we have beauty around us mm-hmm. at every opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that mindfulness goes along with um, everything that we talk about here, which is compassion, kindness, mm-hmm. and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly has been for me um, opened up the more. A compassionate side to myself, and it just allows me to see gratitude in things that I would never have probably seen before, Mm. you know. And that's you know, and that's
0: within the book, um, my book, "A Culture of Kindness." We'll just plug that while we're. (laughs) (laughs) But within the book, I start off. The first chapter is about how do you take care of yourself first because yes. without taking care of yourself and you've highlighted it so beautifully in finding your own happiness and working on mindfulness and doing all of those things, uh, starts that process before you can start to help others really. Um, it, I can't believe it, but it is actually well over already in the podcast time. I can't believe it, it feels like five minutes, but, um, mm. And I say this every time I go, I'm chatting with people and I get carried, a bit carried away. But I always ask everyone the same question at the end of the podcast about what does a culture of kindness mean to you and, and the world that you live in and, and the work that you do?
1: For me, it means the basis of everything. Um, it's where I'm started. I started with myself, and I love that you say that's how it starts mm. and now I'm working in my community and then I think it expands out into the country and then to the world so I mm. think it is <clears throat> the real essence of what the future has to be Do you know yes. um, what a culture of kindness means is that a future of sustainable you know um, not only workforce but like the planet itself, mm. as well as our own um, mental, emotional and physical health. Mm. It's amazing.
0: Yes. Spreading out, start with one and then yeah. keep moving. I love yeah, it.
1: The whole thing. I definitely. love it.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, how do they do that,
1: Sam? So they can get in touch with me by my website, which is YBL Empower You. Mm -hmm. Or you can get me on Facebook, which is the same, YBL Empower (laughs) You. Um, I also have two groups um, and two pages, which is The Happiness Hub. Mm -hmm. um, And that's on Facebook as well. And there's soon to be um, a free membership site for everything to do with happiness on The Happiness Hub, which is hoping to be launched by the end of the summer. Wow. Brilliant. So, I yeah. love
0: it. Love it. Thank you so much, Sam, for your time. I really appreciate it. And no, I know Thank the you listeners for having will. me. Thanks so thank much. You. Bye. Okay. Bye. bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Whether you're a CEO or department manager, you can build a more productive, profitable and engaged workforce through adopting the theory laid out in my latest book available on Amazon aptly also named a culture of kindness. It will guide you on how to be the type of leader that every employee remembers for all the right reasons. You can also subscribe to the monthly newsletter at www.nahalasummers.com to hear more about the latest talks, courses and upcoming podcast episodes. Thank you.